when we're not in the great outdoors, we're thinking about it. Kender Outdoors. Come on into the camp house and make yourself at home. Hey, welcome back to the Kinder Outdoors Camp House. I'm Billy Kinder, and hey, it's always good to have you here with us. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today, whether that be a AM, FM, XM, podcast, broadcast, however you get here. Thank you so very much. We greatly appreciate you spending some time with us. Calming Care, that's the product that I've been talking about for a while now that helps to settle the overactive dog, the overbarker, the overjumper, the one that tears up the carpet or the doors or the floors or the furniture when you leave for work. Help settle that dog. Help them adjust to those more stressful days, thunderstorms, whatever freaks them out. Calming care can help. Calming care. It's not a drug. It very gently works over time. Calming care. Learn more at kinderoutdoors.com, K-I-N-D-E-R. You know, one of the most talked about shows that we do on air every year is our Mount Rushmore show from the Dallas Safari Club Convention and Expo. We gather up on stage with some of our good friends like Rob Keck, Larry Wysoon, Craig Boddington, Phil Massaro, and Ivan Carter, and we have a good time. All right. I think we're ready. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Billy Kinder. I host an outdoor radio show. So does my friend Rob Keck right down there. Uh, we're on about... Oh, 150-some-odd AM FMs across the country every week, a couple of them right here in town. Sirius XM every Saturday and Sunday morning. Tune us in. You'll be smarter, faster, wiser, richer, all the above, if you'll just tune in. Uh, and thank you for doing so if you already do. We appreciate it. I want to introduce Rob. Are you still uh, you're still doing the, the, the show? Is still airing on rural radio every weekend? Believe it or not, Saturday mornings, 10 yep. o'clock Eastern. Uh, it's still there, but they're all reruns. I yep. I told Johnny, I said, look, I've got some bucket list items. I don't have time to do radio full time anymore. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you can still catch some of the shows that maybe you missed. Yep, there you and, go. Uh, I'm on at uh, 9 Eastern and uh, 8 here in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and then Rob right after that. Right there so, on 147. Yep, that's it. So what are you doing these days, Rob? What's What are you up to? Well, when my wife asked me what am I going to do when uh -huh. I step back from my duties at Bass Pro Shops, I said I'm going to hunt more. Yeah. She looked at me and said, hunt more? How can you hunt more? Right. I said, just watch me. Yeah, and you are. Everybody knows our friend Larry Wysoon. Larry, good to see you. What a pleasure to be here. Uh, isn't it, though? Because we weren't here a year ago. No, it is so good to have everybody here. And, you know, I've been around the floor a bunch, and everywhere I go, they're smiling faces. Yeah. Thank you all so much for being here. This is such a great event. Yep. This stage group is such a great group, and Billy, you do such a fantastic job for everything that we do through DSC and Wildlife Conservation, so thank you for everything yep. you do. Absolutely, you bet. Appreciate you. So what are you doing these days, Larry? Where can we find you online? What's going on? <laughs> you know, about three or four years ago, I moved from Uvalde, where I lived forever, to uh, a little town called Branham, which is south of here. It's just south of Texas A&M, where I went to school. It's about same distance to my little place that's been in our family since 1840s or something like that. And little town of Branham, Bluebell Ice Cream is right next door, almost to where I live. So uh, curse and blessing. And I moved here to slow down, and I found that doesn't work. 
where can we watch you online these days? Well, we do still do a whole lot of things. I, I do a weekly TV show called uh, Sportsman's Life, which is on Carbon TV. They can find it there. You can find it on Roku and all those kind of things. Do a uh, podcast called DSC's Campfires with Larry Weissman that you can find. It's done through Waypoint TV, but you can find it primarily, as far as I'm concerned, at www.biggame.org forward slash DSC. S dash campfires forward slash and that's uh, our DSC. Can you do that back? What was that again, Larry? Uh, yes, I can if you want me to. It's going to take a while. <laughs> Remember back in the day when you used to say Channel 7 at 8 o'clock? Oh, you know, yeah, these, but, you know, these days you have to diversify in so many yeah. different ways. And I'll, I'll look up here, and uh, Rob understands, Craig understands, this gentleman right here, Phil understands, although he does wear a funny-looking hat. This guy that we're picking on already uh, joined us a couple of years ago. We had so much fun that we invited him back again today. Phil Massaro, welcome back. Thank you, Billy. Pleasure to be here. Tell us what all you're doing and where we can read you now. Uh, I do a lot of work for uh, for the NRA's American Hunter, a lot of work for Gun Digest. Uh, I've got a new column coming up in DSC's Game Trails magazine, which you keep your eyes open for. Good. Uh, the Gun Digest Annual, the great big thick book, keeps me rather busy. I'm proud to be the editor-in-chief of that. And yes. We've got, we've got Craig's, uh, Craig's piece in there, and Larry tells me his is coming, too. He's promised that for a while. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. But, uh, no, no it's it's a good lineup of guys, and I'm I'm really proud to be at the helm of that publication. Craig Boddington, I am so sorry that I missed your seminar last hour. I had a little emergency, and I had to run take care of that. Uh, I'm sure you talk about uh, 270 and how that's plenty of rifle to hunt elk with, right? You get I'm right, absolutely. Yeah, you get that question uh, all the time, right? <laughs> it's sure good to see you, Craig. Good to see you, my friend. How have you been? I'm good. I'm good. Hold that a little closer. Uh, tell me about what's going on with Craig Boddington. You're still writing, and you're still going. Well, hard. if I had any marketable skills, I'd probably do something different. But <laughs> since I don't, uh, the writing gig works for me. And You know, uh, yeah, just, just a fact. There's not as many young people reading as used to. But uh, I think at my age, I'm deep enough into the print media that is probably not going to go completely under while I still have time. Yeah, and, yeah. But... Uh, uh, doing a little bit of television, and of course everybody does internet, and everybody does web, yep. and everybody does a little bit of this and that. It's a multimedia world, but uh, most of my work is magazine work and the occasional book. I call them the Mount Rushmore of the hunting community from the stage of the Dallas Safari Club Convention and Expo. Much more from those guys when we come back. This corner of the camp house brought to you by America's number one canine probiotic, the best it's Forta Flora from the trusted name Purina. You'll know Toby Meadows when you run into him on the lot there at Classic Chevrolet and Grapevine because on his name tag is a big green bass. <laughs> He's earned the right to wear that big fish around. He's caught three over ten pounds. Yes, sir. Three times a... Uh... Twice on Lake Fork and once on Lake Conroe. This lifelong passion for Toby started in the cab of that old Chevy truck, headed for the fishing hole a long time ago. I had an uncle, Uncle Jim, got me started, and it was just a little cork popper with little black and yellow feathers, looked like a bumblebee, and that started it all. Three ten-pounders and 19 years with the classic grapevine family, and Toby is still going down the road in that Chevy truck. These days, though, it's a little newer, a little less bumpy, and a whole lot more powerful. Yes, it is. I like it, too, especially that diesel. Got that half-ton diesel. It's good. 
nice truck. Lifelong memories await your bunch in the cab of the truck. Get started at ClassicChevrolet.com. Marksman Firearms and Outfitters' mission is to guide and educate customers, whether they're new to firearms or experienced, skilled shooters. They take the time to teach you which guns will properly suit your needs, as well as how to care for them to ensure the longevity and quality of your firearm. At Marksman, they believe every customer deserves a place to go that offers the largest variety at reasonable prices, with staff that's truly knowledgeable and always puts the customer first. For more info, go to MarksmanFirearms.com. Make your mark at Marksman. You've worked hard your entire life, and now that place is yours. Ensure the security of your livestock and wildlife with Tejas Ranch and Game Fence. You appreciate a job well done, and that's our focus at Tejas. High deer fence, horse and cattle specific fences, fences that keep the hogs out and the peace of mind intact. Decades of high performance in fencing, land clearing, and happy landowners. T-E-J-A-S. TejasRanchFence.com Life is better outdoors. Relax and find your space at the beautiful vineyards, campground, and cabins on Grapevine Lake. Well known for its peaceful setting, lovely grounds, lakefront views, and accommodating Texas-friendly staff. Our full hookup sites can accommodate all bus or RV sizes and offer 50-amp service, many spacious pull-throughs, cable TV, and lightning-fast Wi-Fi. Our fully furnished cabins make it easy to feel miles away without actually roughing it. Enjoy a partially shaded private beach, large playground, fishing pier, water sport rentals, hiking trails, and more. The on-site camp store offers a wide selection of camping supplies, groceries, and gifts. Our landmark pavilion is perfect for your next reunion, rally, or wedding. You'll feel miles away from everything when you're only minutes from anything. Check out historic downtown Grapevine with various entertainment venues, large festivals and events, restaurants, wineries, shopping, and the new world-class Harvest Hall. The Vineyards Campground and Cabins. VineyardsCampground.com Dove hunting in Argentina is well documented, but as my friends at JJ Caseria, Cordoba Doves will tell you, the duck hunting is unmatched anywhere in the world. Lane Balky is the U.S. representative for JJ Caseria. The duck lodge uh, is in Corrientes. We shoot 30 ducks in the morning and 10 per days in the afternoon. We have 11 different species of ducks. We have a duck season from the 15th of April to the 31st of August. You are assured before you ever leave American soil that you're going to feel welcome and at home when you hunt with your new friends at J.J. Castelleria. Our lodge is beautiful. It's four years old. It has 10 double bedrooms, all with private baths, all heated and air-conditioned. Uh, it's very comfortable. We don't put on air, so you'll feel as relaxed in the lodge as you do in your living room. Hunt world-class doves and ducks in Argentina. Plan next year now by visiting CordobaDoves.com. My name is Jose Grasso, the owner of JJ Caseria. Can see me in Argentina. kids along. This is where heritage is guarded just for them. Kinder Outdoors. Hey, this corner of the camp house at Kinder Outdoors brought to you by Calming Care. It very gently over time, not a drug, it gently over time settles the overactive dog, the overbarker, the overjumper. A lot of folks having great results with Calming Care. You can learn more at kinderoutdoors.com. Let's get back up on the stage. The Dallas Safari Club Convention and Expo with Rob Keck, Larry Wysoon, Phil Massaro, Ivan Carter, and this guy, Craig Boddington. 
<laughs> hey, did you kill a deer on your place this year up in Kansas? We had. In fact, uh, my, my friends and partners in the deer business are sitting over there. Chuck Herbal, stand up. And, hey, Chuck. Uh, Steve Trainer and one of our deer hunters was there. Uh, yeah. David, did we shoot any deer this year? All right. That was amazing. We, despite go, going into the season with record high temperatures, yeah. I just thought we're going to take a bath. And the truth is, we did not take a deer for three days. Wow. And I thought, oh my God, we are really going to take a bath. And the bucks just started to move, and we finished the season 12 for 12. Yeah. Which wow. I would never have thought would have happened. Wow. That is, uh, that's, that's quite a, a conservation story on your place. You've kind of babied that along through the years. Well, we've worked on it pretty hard. Yeah. It's, a, it's a neighborhood project. Yeah. And uh, it, it, we've worked on it. Yeah, it is. We certainly have more deer and better deer than we did 15 years ago. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Ivan Carter slipped in on us Yay, down there. Right. Welcome, Ivan. Good to see you, buddy. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Sorry I was a bit late. No, no, you're just fine. We're glad you're here. It's a long way to Africa from here. So. Took a little while to get here with the COVID test in between, you know. Yeah, what's going on over there with the COVID? You know, they, they opened up the flights a couple of weeks ago. Things getting better? You know, they really are, and it's something that we hope we're seeing the back of. You know, as Craig said, you know, the guys are really suffering. And what suffers first is the anti-poaching teams. And, you know, with all of the cutbacks, that, that's not... That should be bread and butter money, but for a lot of people, if, you, if you're feeding your family or paying your anti-poaching team, you're going to be feeding your family first, which is completely understandable. But those cutbacks are really being felt by the wildlife. They really are. Yeah. It has been, like Craig was talking about, it's been devastating for a lot of people. They've, they've, they've gone under. A lot of our good friends have gone under, won't be back. They're doing something else for, for a living now. Um, Yes, sir. I see you raising that microphone. I, yeah, I think one of the. Oh, sorry, go ahead, sir. No. Go ahead. Yeah, I think one of the most dangerous things we see. When I say dangerous, the most alarming things is several of the people with big game ranches that many, many years ago took the sheep off, took the cattle off, and have turned it to wildlife. Or now you see them having a few cattle. They planting a few orange trees or macadamia nut trees, or you know, all of that is landscape that should be under wildlife. And unfortunately, this pandemic has made people scared of the wildlife industry because it relies on the, on the, on the tourist hunter, if you will, to really make that model work. And yeah. so it, it's pretty sad to see this whole circle turning back to traditional agriculture when we were so proud of all these private landowners that have, have got wildlife instead of sheep and cattle, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Rob Keck was uh, the head man over at the National Wild Turkey Federation for 27 years. Is that right, Rob? 27 of the 30 that I was there. Wow. Uh, so what's the best way to put that turkey on the table? Do you like him fried? What do you do with him? Well, deep fried is probably my favorite. It's probably the worst for you, but uh, that's the way things really are. Now, I like to cut it in small chunks. That, now you're talking. you got to take eggs and milk yep. in one bowl, stir it up good, usually a cup of milk, three eggs, then Italian breadcrumbs. Huh. Then, if you're running short on meat, you double batter it. There you go. That way it slows them down. They don't eat quite as fast. It'll fill them up quicker. Put more water in the soup. There are more people coming, right? There you go. (laughs) And uh, then you've got to put it in peanut oil, 375 till it floats, and there you go. That's perfect. That is perfect. You know, uh, at my house, when we do a fish fry, there's a bunch of people over there. We fry up the catfish first. 
and start serving that out. And when they start rubbing their tummies and yawning, that's when I drop the crappie in the grease. There you go. You know what I mean? Kind of save that for uh, for the end. Hey, Phil, growing up in upstate New York, a lot of people have the opinion of New York, you know, but they're thinking of New York City. Different world where you grew up. Completely different world. Uh, you know, we're about 100 miles north of the city, and I'm literally right on the Hudson River. We've got the Catskill Mountains and the, the associate, I think it's a 600,000-acre park. Uh, we've got the Adirondack, which is a, you know, it's a 6-million-acre park. And while New York isn't known for huge deer or even its conservation methods as far as genetics go, the one good thing about New York State is that anybody can buy a hunting license once they've taken the safety course, you know, take their kid, and Amen. they've got a place to hunt. And I think yeah. that's pretty special. That's very special, yeah. Uh, your dad got you fired up about guns, if I'm not mistaken. He did, yeah. Dad, uh, he's still a bit of a nut, although every time I bring in something expensive, he tells me to get it off his desk. <laughs> that much? What, are you kidding me? What? But, uh, you know, he's uh, he was influential and, in, in you know, just such a key role of me growing up. And as a young man, you know, learning gun safety, there were always guns in the house, and there was never an incident, never an accident. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I thank him every day. It's uh, He was a role model as far as how to handle a firearm and, you know, be around them and be safe. So I, yeah. I'm totally appreciative of that. Ivan, you're a good guy to start this with, and I'd like an opinion from each of you. As we look at the future of what we do, I think the average age of the American hunter is 54 years old. Uh, and worldwide, it's probably worse than that. I don't know. Um, we've got issues. We have issues. What bothers you the most? What about the future and what we do, our heritage? You know, I think what bothers me the most is the fact that our current generation, people like ourselves that are at the helm of the industry, are not making enough effort to produce programming media in a, in a palatable way for young people. We are continuing to make the same kind of TV that's not aimed at young people, we continue to have the same kind of a seminar like this is not aimed at young people. And I agree, there's a lot of the, the Outdoors Tomorrow Fund is doing amazing things in schoolrooms. And when you look at their statistics, it's incredible. But I would love to see us as spokespeople for the industry doing more to appeal to young people. Because without that generation engaged, we are the last. And I think every generation has felt that at some point. But I think now with the, the human population reaching 8 billion, and the, the chasm widening between the understanding of wildlife and the understanding of, a, of an iPhone, um, I think we've got to try and bridge that gap and, and close that chasm by producing engaging content for younger people, which I, I think we're failing on that. Yeah. Rob? No question about that. And I think playing off of that, we have to become more politically relevant. And as our numbers dwindle, we're not replacing the hunters that we're losing. When you go to the voting booth we're not counted as well as what we should be i think that we have to be more active in political realms groups like the congressional sportsman's foundation doing a great job helping us there but there's other groups like hunter nation trying to get hunters to vote you know here in the state of texas uh, in the last presidential election it was amazing to me of the of the licensed hunters in this state and this was pretty much nationwide Registered voters, hunters, less than 50% of them voted. We're getting killed there. Another area that's really concerning to me is in the area of social media. We have got to put a good face on to the public, the non-hunting public, to the young public. And the way that many hunters project their kill or project their experience 
is not in the positive light that I think all of us would want to see them. I think when I see a picture of a piece of game taken in Africa, you can tell that there's been a lot of time, a lot of effort putting into getting the best photograph. Craig talked about that just a moment ago on his uh, Buffalo presentation about getting good photographs, tasteful photographs, cleaning them up, cleaning the blood off of it, instead of looking like a bunch of old, uh, you know, killers out there, projecting a good message to that non-hunting public. We're not doing a good enough job there. We're getting killed on on uh, outdoor television in some areas as well. We're back on stage at the Dallas Safari Club with the Mount Rushmore of the hunting community when we come back from the coffee pot. I do want to say hello and have a great day to all of you attending the Indiana State Fair today. Don't forget to take the kids by the fishing pond. It's in the Natural Resources Building. The Indiana State Fair runs through August 21. This is professional hunter Ivan Carter with Kinder Outdoors. The first and original Texas hunting show is back. It all gets kicked off in Houston, August 5, 6, and 7. This is the 46th year for the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza. The biggest and best in rifles, blinds, outfitters, and guides. Game calls, camo, and ammo, you name it, you'll find it at the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza. Here we come, Houston, August 5, 6, and 7. Live gators, rattlesnakes, and happy hunters. It must be Texas Trophy Hunter time. Robert Cantrell at Texas Outdoors on the Benbrook Traffic Circle in southwest Fort Worth has been selling top-notch hunting, fishing, and outdoor goods and apparel for 38 years. But now the time has come for him to lock up for the last time. Texas Outdoors, a true Texas legend, is closing. And understandably, it's an emotional time for Robert. to Texas Outdoors in Southwest Fort Worth for one last sale. If it's hanging on the wall, sitting on a shelf, crawling across the floor, or swinging from the ceiling, it's gotta go. Woohoo! God bless you for keeping the lights turned on around here for 38 years. Now it's Cantrell's time to go fishing while both knees and one hip still work. Come on in and make an offer. Everything from boots and guns to the shelves and racks have gotta go before Robert can. After that, don't try to call anymore. There ain't no phones where he's going. Texas Outdoors in Southwest Fort Worth and the great audio sale Yippee! right now. These are unsettling and even scary times for many people. But for others, there's peace, even as an angry world cries out. The source of that peace is Jesus Christ. I'm John Watson, pastor at Cornerstone Bible Church in Roanoke, Texas. At Cornerstone, we teach the Bible with no man-made religion added in. Join us online Sunday mornings at 1015 Central at csbiblechurch.org. It's just God's word, csbiblechurch.org. If you fry your turkeys during the holiday season and you're tired of the hassle of pots, open flames under hot oil, and sticky, oily messes, then it's time to take a good look at the Cajun Fryer by R&V Works. The original, the last fryer that you'll ever need to purchase. Cajun Fryer puts pro-level frying gear in your backyard or hunt and fish camp. These are high-performance, low-maintenance deep fryers that feature the heat source in the oil. Your oil heats from the inside out. If your family loves a fish fry, Cajun Fryer is a must. Because the heat source is suspended in the oil, small crumbs and pieces that burn fall to the bottom. 
so your oil stays much cleaner, many times lasting the entire year. Often imitated, never duplicated. Don't be fooled. Take a look at the original Cajun Fryer at CajunFryer.com. Fresh, crisp, delicious every time. CajunFryer.com. At the Outdoors Tomorrow Foundation, we're really happy to have more than 50,000 kids in school classrooms learning about archery, fishing, boating, and other outdoor skills each year. We're thrilled that we have grown to schools across the United States and continue to grow. We're humbled that teaching wildlife conservation to our future generations have been so eagerly accepted by more than a quarter million kids so far. We're happy, thrilled, and humbled. But we're not stopping. The Outdoor Adventures program in junior highs and high schools across America has proven to be a hit with kids. And in case after case, we've seen Outdoor Adventures' young lives changed. Kids that just were not into school and not involved are now excited to get into the classroom each day because of Outdoor Adventures. The kids earn classroom credit by learning the outdoor basics, and they smile while learning. If you want Outdoor Adventures in your local school, Contact me, Scott McClure. I'm at GoOTF.com. That's Scott at GoOTF.com. Somewhere over this horizon sit a million little dictators, eager to purge humanity of its hunting instincts. Contrived emotions flood from their air-conditioned, glass-paneled, Wi-Fi-enabled habitats. Over the mountains, out into the wild from which they hate to admit they emerged their foolish quest to force nature to fit their feelings threatens the survival of every living thing on our planet if their fevered tantrums are ever imposed the earth will be ruled by the deadliest combination in the natural world human ignorance and human arrogance travel another path the truest path, nature's path. Trust the hunter in your blood. We've camped on the ground and in five-star lodges. I've never found a more welcome camp than this one, Kender Outdoors. Hey, welcome back to the stage at the Dallas Safari Club Convention and Sporting Expo with Rob Keck, Larry Wysoon, Ivan Carter, Craig Boddington, and Phil Massaro. Phil is, uh, you know, he's the head guy at Guns and Ammo. He writes for the NRA, so he never misses a shot, right? Phil, what's the worst miss you've ever had in your life, the one that still wakes you up at night? You. He's clean. never missed. He's never missed. Oh no no no! A clean miss or a? No. I, I I lost uh I lost my first buffalo this year in Zimbabwe. Um, oh. The bullet hit a branch and it was uh I I immediately emailed Craig when I got home for some consolation. Uh, beautiful buffalo too, 43 inches and just you know about as bald as I am, smooth bosses on the tops and yeah. Hit, I don't know the bullet hit a branch or whatever the case may be, but you know Lynn Stanton who's down there in Balabala Safaris. His guys, we were on that buffalo for 20-something miles after we'd hit him. Um, wow. So we did the no due kidding. diligence. But 
that was uh, that was a life lesson for me. That yeah. was that was, and it's still bothering me. Yeah. Do uh, you know what? Oh, you said it. It, it must have hit a branch because he hit yeah. him. He hit him a little forward. We caught a a piece of you know the fat from the brisket and what yeah. have you. And I yeah. and I know it was a dead hold. We had the shot on film, and I you know there was no jerking of the trigger or any of that nonsense. So yeah. things like that happen, as Colonel Boddington had told me. You know, you do it long enough, you're going to have that happen. But you know, we did the due diligence. The buffalo's going to live. He stopped bleeding, but yeah. it doesn't. It, the ego is not well. <laughs> yeah. No, you're going to die with that memory. Yeah, gonna, no doubt. No it's doubt. It's going to haunt you to the end. Now, Ivan, if you miss, it could eat you. You know, I think from a pH perspective, you only really shoot for two reasons most of the time. One, if something's about to eat you or hurt you, and one, if it's about to escape. So, you know. It, we always shooting a, something that's moving. You've always got this tiny little window, and everybody looks at you very differently if you don't hit what you're aiming at. And it happens. It really what do does they happen. say at that point when you miss? Uh, Family group here, huh? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, but really, on, a, on an not. African safari, I think there's a lot of pressure on guiding to make sure that you're giving the person the very best opportunity. They've come halfway around the world. It's their key animal. By virtue of that, there's way more jitters than there normally is with anything else. And, and you've got that one opportunity, and particularly if it's an, an elephant hunt or a leopard hunt or something like that, which you know, you're know you waiting for this one little window, a, a bad shot can be devastating for the rest of the safari. So you know, one's got to try and manage the first shot way better than trying to manage your own second shot, you know. Yeah. Hey, Rob, it's impossible to miss a turkey, isn't it? You know, one of the most common problems I see is people taking a shotgun that they normally take and point and swing through the target. They're now aiming it like a rifle. And you've got to understand point of aim and point of impact. So if you're going to use a gun with open sights, make sure that you understand that you're shooting this gun like a rifle instead of that, that shotgun. There's things you can add. You can add a red dot. You can add a scope. There's all kinds of optics that you can add to that turkey gun. But if you just pick up a gun that you've, let's say you've killed your limit of waterfowl or you've killed your limit of ringnecks, and you say, I shouldn't have any problem at all killing a turkey with oh, that. Oh, yeah. But you don't understand that just having a bead out in front or a double bead will not allow you to necessarily bury your cheek into the comb of that stock to make the shot. I'll never forget, Lance Bate, he was bronze medalist, double trap, 96 Olympics. I took him, we were in Kansas, turkey hunting. He missed three gobblers less than 25 yards. And here's a guy, a bronze medalist, an Olympic trap, double trap, and he missed three turkeys, and he didn't understand point of aim, point of impact. He was probably a little nervous because y'all were fence jumping on Boddington's place. Well, we were. Yeah. You know, it's always good to cross the line over on Craig's place because <laughs> we know they're fed well. They're always big. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to pin you down, Ron. You ever missed a turkey? Absolutely. Yeah. It happens. Absolutely. In my early days, not understanding point of aim, point of impact yep. as well. Yep. And... uh I'll tell you where it really comes into play. You know, there's more and more people that are taking with archery tackle. Yeah. And uh, you've got to understand that just hitting the vitals of a turkey with an arrow will not necessarily allow you to retrieve it. He may die. I've done that. But he's going to fly off. He's going to run off. And they don't leave a blood trail like that whitetail. You've got to shoot to immobilize the bird. And you've got to look at something like this. Take your fist, come right down your forearm. And if you can't put it in there where you're going to take and break that spine, cut that 
or cut the head off with one of the, uh, you know, the blades out there that, that like a gobbler guillotine. Yeah. You're not going to pick up that turkey. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't hit that, go buy a shotgun. Yeah. There you go. Very good. And by the way, with TSS, which has come on the scene, uh, I know three years ago I made that move to a 410. I've been shooting a 20 for over two decades. But I'll tell you, a 410 loaded with number nines or nine and a halves, it is devastating at 50 yards. And I do not promote long range what? shooting. But usually I'm playing follow-up, clean-up to somebody that I'm guiding. Yeah. And if there's a cripple, it's been amazing at the distances I've finished off that cripple with that 410. Yeah. Larry, what's the mess that haunts you to this day? Zimbabwe, Save River, 59 and three-quarter inch kudu, 58 inches wide, 60 yards, missed him by 30 yards. Wow. But I killed him that's almost shot. half a football field. <laughs> I've never been that excited. I mean, you know, there's some species that really get to you, and there. Yeah. And in this instance, this kudu was crossing the Save River, and the PH Johnny Hume was hollering to shoot, and the cameraman was hollering, "Don't shoot!" And and uh, this, uh, I mean, this truly, I ended up killing. He's 59, a little bit long, and he's 58 inches wide. So yeah. you can imagine what this kudu looked like. Quartering across the the Save River. Oh my word! The first shot I missed him by a good solid thirty yards. Oh my word! He was only sixty yards away, and I hit the water about halfway between me and him. Wow! Buck fever is a real deal. It's a real thing. It is. But, but when is. you add that element of a cameraman, all of us oh, yeah. that have hunted in front of yeah. cameras, and the cameraman doesn't give you the go, and you've got the shot. And then all of a sudden you don't got the, you don't have the shot, and the cameraman says, "I'm good." You're really in a predicament, and yep. that's when I've missed more turkeys than ever on film. Yeah, there you go. Craig Boddington has never missed a critter in his life, except for about a month ago. Oh, okay. Let's hear about let's hear about this now. Well, I was just writing about that the other day, and you know we're hunting from stands, and we don't have long. We don't have big country in my part of Kansas, September. And, so, you know, 60, 70, 80 yards is normal, sometimes 100. But we don't have four, 500-yard shooting. And uh, so we'll go an entire season and have zero misses. Not, not uncommon. But I, I did it. I was sitting on a stand, and I had a buck coming to me, and he was about yeah, 50 yards away and quartering two, and I had those crosshairs dead steady on his shoulder and I pulled the trigger and I realized that this reaction was not right. He spooked a little bit and then he just kind of walked away and I said, well, he's going to fall over, going to fall over. And I lost him in the trees and I kind of had the distinct impression that instead of falling over, he walked away. But, uh, and that's in fact what happened. That's we what we spent did. a couple hours looking. There's got to be blood. There's got to be blood. There's got to be blood. Next trip was to the range, and uh, that scope had a, had a, a, a turrets without a zero stop, and and the elevation turret had been spun nearly a full revolution, and I was eighteen I was I was eighteen inches off paper at fifty yards, just a bit outside. <laughs> Just a hair outside. Yeah. Dallas Safari Club 2023 coming up in January. And a big part of that event is the Legends stage. I call them the Mount Rushmore. Uh, put that on your daily agenda to drop by, have a seat, hang out right there at the food court. 
and uh, enjoy these guys up on stage at the Dallas Safari Club Convention and Sporting Expo. Going to take a little break, grab a cup of coffee, stretch our legs a little bit, and then come back with more from Phil Massaro, Larry Wysoon, Ivan Carter, Craig Boddington, and Rob Keck. Hi, this is John McGraw with the University of South Alabama Bass Fishing Team. And I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. Can you imagine 20-plus sailfish in a single day? Welcome to Costa Rica's rich fishing history. The marlin catch is as good as any spot on earth. Blue marlin, sailfish, mahi, and tuna. From the moment your feet touch down in beautiful Costa Rica, you'll discover a new love in your life. The landscape, the people, the food, the salty air and year-round fishable temperatures and calm waters. At Carib Sea Sport Fishing, we're prepared for your group with a fleet of some of the most successful vessels in this sport fishing area. Call your buddies or make it a couple's trip to Costa Rica. Enjoy world-class Caribbean sport fishing, endless shopping, beaches, spectacular wildlife. Discover the landscape by horseback. Carib Sea Sport Fishing offers a variety of trips, offshore, inshore, overnight, half-day, full-day, every day. Come see us now at catchafishincostarica.com. I'm Tom Watson with Bend Knee International, asking you to pray for the Navajo people of New Mexico and Arizona. The COVID-19 pandemic has hit these native people exceptionally hard. In many cases, multiple families live in the same home. Water is carried from muddy streams for household use, and medical care is many miles away. I simply ask that you join me in lifting them up to the Lord. To learn more, please visit BendedKnee.org. The granddaddy of Texas hunting shows is back at its birthplace to kick off the 2022 hunting seasons, August 19, 20, and 21. The Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza at the Freeman Expo Hall in San Antonio. Featuring the greatest hunts, newest gear, trickiest camo, rifles, knives, and bows, live rattlesnakes, and gators, too. See you in San Antonio for the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza, August 19, 20, and 21. The Quail Coalition has drawn the line. Quail decline stops here. South and West Texas and Western Oklahoma are the last strong natural regions for wild bobwhite quail. We've all watched the drastic decline across the southern states of the iconic bobwhite. The Quail Coalition has vowed to do all within human power to not only stop quail decline, but build a future where the quail will flourish across all of its original habitat. If true quail conservation is important to you, please visit quailcoalition.org. Consider a membership, attend one of our fundraising banquets, and please consider starting a chapter in your home state. Together, let's sustain and restore huntable wild quail populations. Let's encourage and educate interested youth. Let's keep the most brilliant quail minds on earth working on a bright future for our quails. The first step, visit our website, quailcoalition.org. The Wild Sheep Foundation. Our purpose sounds simple, to put and keep wild sheep on the mountain. But from where we stand to the top of the mountain is a challenging and exciting journey. To be successful, we support the top scientific minds in wildlife research. We tell the story and history of the wild sheep in North America to those around us, like you. 
And step by step, we protect and grow wild sheep populations. If not for the Wild Sheep Foundation, more than $115 million in care, concern, and conservation work would not have happened over the past 40 years. Important work that has seen our wild sheep populations grow from 25,000 or so in the 1950s to more than 85,000 today. Learn more about the worldwide leader in wild sheep conservation. Secure a membership. Attend a banquet. Bid on an auction item. Make an impact on top of the mountain. WildSheepFoundation.org. camped on the ground and in five-star lodges. But I've never found a more welcome camp than this one, Kinder Outdoors. Hey, I'm Billy Kinder. This is Kinder Outdoors. We built this place for you. Thanks for hanging out here with us. You can reach us in the camp house at 1-877-820-BBKO, 1-877-820-2256, or the website. That's always a great option, kinderoutdoors.com, K-I-N-D-E-R, kinderoutdoors.com. Com. Leave a note, let us know where you listen, how you listen, and drop off a picture for the bragging board. We all want to see what you've been up to, okay? K-I-N-D-E-R, like kindergarten, kinderoutdoors.com. Let's get back up on that main stage with the Mount Rushmore of the hunting community from DSC 2022. Rob Keck, Phil Massaro, Ivan Carter, Craig Boddington, and my good friend Larry Wysoon. Larry, your parents hunted. It was a big family event, right? Absolutely. All the ladies in our area hunted. My aunts, you know, all their, all my mother's friends. It was a big deal. Came on at a time when we didn't have a whole lot of deer, but that didn't stop us from hunting. And if you saw a track, you were a hero. If you happened to take a deer during the hunting season, oh, my God, it's talked about just nearly every day until the, the beginning of the next hunting season. So, you know, I started out. Some People ask me, you remember your first hunt? I don't. I, my dad used to carry me around in diapers on the back when he was chasing coonhounds, you know, kind of thing. And so I, I have no recollection of the first hunts. There was a lot of hunts that, you know, shortly thereafter that I have. But, uh, you know, I was fortunate. Grew up out in the country, and uh, they turned me loose barefooted with a twenty-two when I was about five years old because I'd, I'd run out of BBs and couldn't find BBs. But by God, I could find a single shot twenty-two and shells, and they'd hand them to me and send me off, kind of thing. That's kept me out of trouble. Absolutely. Well, somewhat. Well, yeah, you know, there there were those episodes. <laughs> this man is agreeing completely. You grew up like that, too, I guess, huh? Same story. It's a familiar story. Growing up in Kansas, Craig, uh, did you ever discover a good way to cook a pheasant? Does does a good way to cook a pheasant even exist? I didn't know there was a bad way to cook a pheasant. Okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, what kind of pheasant are you talking about? Well, they're not oh, real. You know what? I dry them out. If, listen, bad. if if you mistake a pheasant and shoot a, a vulture instead, yeah, th- they're be. hard to cook. That could be it. That could be it. Did you eat a lot of pheasants growing oh, up? Oh, heavens, yes. Yeah, y'all had lots of pheasants. Yeah, they're, you know, we like quail better. Yeah. And in those days, we had oceans of bobwhites. Yeah. But, oh, but yeah. pheasant was good, just a little drier. You yeah. just you you got to just cook it cook it in a sauce. Yeah. 
when you couldn't hit the small target, you wound up eating the pheasant. That's that's what took place. Uh, what took place there? Hey, what's going on with you now, Ivan? What are you doing these days? So we've been doing a lot of conserva- conservation work and um, spending a lot of time actually adjusting our sales a little bit with COVID and everything else like that. You know, donor funding's been a little more difficult, as everybody can understand, as well as. The need is greater because so many people have this deficit for anti-poaching. And so um, we've been measuring a lot. We translocated cheetahs with the Cabela family this year into a landscape which hasn't had cheetah for over 100 years. Those are giving That's us a bit, of, a bit of gray hair, not doing what they're supposed to do. But um, the scientists are taking care of that. The lion population that's in that same landscape has got to just over 80 now from the, the 24 that we put in there. So that's been very successful and doing a lot of wildlife moves, actually. You know, um, what we've found is that a lot of these national parks that have been stabilized by large NGOs, large non-government organizations, um, have a deficit of wildlife. And as the human element has grown and the conflict has grown, rather than allowing government to just go in and wipe out, you know, whole landscapes, taking those animals and using them to populate populate wildlife reserves has been very successful. But the biggest thing is doing that with hunters' dollars, with hunters and openly for hunters, I think is a giant message. I think we've got to be a lot better at delivering facts and results than we actually are at the moment. It's one thing to say, oh, no, we support anti-poaching. Well, tell me the facts. What has actually happened? So in the Zambezi Delta landscape where we operate, um, there's been about a 95% reduction in poaching and a 3,500% increase in wildlife over the last couple of decades, which those are the facts. It's not that we're equipping an anti-poaching team. We've we've led to more wildlife and a healthier ecosystem. And so people will often say, how do you know where to send your money? And I always say, just ask the simple question, is my money going to allow more wildlife to exist in a healthier ecosystem? If they look at you blankly, go and find someone else to send your money to. If they say yes, your next question should be, well, how do you know? Can you show me your statistics? Again, if they can't, go and find somebody else because that should be all that matters in conservation, more wildlife and a healthier ecosystem. If we were to stop hunting in the long run, it would be devastating uh, over there. But we, we put it on pause for the past couple of years. What's that done to the critters? Are they better quality now than they were two years ago? What's, what's going on? Have you noticed? So that's, a, that's an interesting question. And, and again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back out a little bit. So if we stop hunting, we've got a really good example of what really happens. It's an uncomfortable truth, so nobody wants to talk about it. But there's about 15 million acres of Tanzania that last year was resettled. And it was resettled because of the closure of lion imports into the states because of Cecil the Lion, which led to outfitters handing back their concessions because they couldn't make money anymore. The, the concessions sat idle for many years. And then the, the pressure from the communities, hey, if you're not going to let us be employed or, or let us work there, let us at least live there. And so the government, of course, relented. The government lives and dies by votes. And so 50 million acres of people, uh, 50 million acres of, of wild landscape had people move onto it, and they killed everything. And so there's an exact example of what happens when the hunters go away. From the perspective of the trophy populations, in a lot of landscapes, Stopping hunting for a couple of years makes no difference at all because I like to look at a wildlife population like an annuity. Like you, you've, you've got this fund. It's like an endowment fund. So if you never touch your principal and you only use your interest, your endowment's going to last forever. Wildlife is the same way. If you never touch your core population and you only touch the old bulls that are yielded by that core population, it's going to be there forever. And so 
I have to say, the well-managed areas without any hunting for two years, the trophy quality was the same. If you see a jump in your trophy quality, it means your quota was too high before the closure. Ah, very good. Let me ask you this. Do you think we all talk funny? No, I'm the only one that talks normally. Oh, okay. You're the normal guy around here. You're the normal guy. Phil, if, uh, if it was Christmas Day tomorrow, what gun would you tell Santa Claus that you want to see under the tree? Oh, that's a tough one. That's a really, there's a lot of them here. Because uh, you get to shoot everything. I, I am spoiled rotten. I'm yeah. not going to lie to you. I yeah. get to play with all the cool toys. Right. Ah, what would I want? What would I want? That's a really, that's a difficult don't, question. Don't get too hung up on it because we're not going to buy no, it. No, I know you're not, but yeah, we're, we're dreaming. Just... I want to dream right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. I, I would probably end up with a, with a 375 flange double rifle from Heim, Model wow. 89, to wow. go with my 470. What's that going to cost me down at Walmart? Uh, you're looking probably 24 grand the way okay. I'd expect Santa Claus well, to bring Well, that's within the budget. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's, Mama gives the nod of approval back there, and if the War Department approves, let's send yeah, it. Yeah, there you go. I like it. <laughs> Greg, how about you? Is there, that you've, you've You've handled every gun in the world. <laughs> I don't have enough lever actions. Ah. So you could you could look for a classic old Marlin or Winchester to put under my tree. Maybe a Savage 99. Wow. I've heard you talk like that before. You love those simple, old, dependable guns, don't you? I do. That's piece of America. Yeah. And I, I really do love those those old guns. And I'm not a collector. I don't have a collection. Sure. But I do accumulate them. Yes, you do. Rob, what's uh, what's your favorite turkey gun? I guess the the old 410 now. Well, it, it is, and uh, I tell you, my favorite one right now is a TriStar Viper. Huh. It's got a pistol grip on it, camouflaged, and a Carlson choke tube in it. Yeah. And I can tell you one thing: it is just everybody that puts it in their hand says, "I want one." I've never found anybody. It doesn't matter whether it's a kid. Or a veteran turkey hunter. Yeah. And I've got a couple more on order. We're back on stage at the Dallas Safari Club 2022 edition of The Legends, the Mount Rushmore of the hunting community. Rob Keck, Larry Wysoon, Phil Massaro, Ivan Carter, and Craig Boddington. But first, we're going to stretch our legs, maybe grab a sausage and biscuit and a fresh cup of coffee, okay? Meet me right back here at Kinder Outdoors. Watch that old bird dog out of that chair and have a seat. You're in camp with us at Kinder Outdoors. And, hey, we're really glad that you are. Thanks for hanging out with us. This corner of the camp house brought to you by Purina Pro Plan and all the great Pro Plan formulas. There's a formula built specifically for your dog, and you'll find it at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores in Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas, Kansas, and Missouri. <laughs> Hey, I want to invite you to drop by the website, kinderoutdoors.com, K-I-N-D-E-R, and register. We're giving away some really cool stuff like Kinder Outdoors t-shirts and six-packs of tickets to the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza shows. Houston underway this weekend. Y'all have fun down there. Next weekend, the show will be in Dallas and then in San Antonio to wrap it all up, the 19th, 20th, and 21st. These tickets are good for any of those shows, so... Go to register, kinderoutdoors.com. 
We're hanging out with some of the very top names in the outdoor industry on the show today. We do it every year at the Dallas Safari Club Convention and Sporting Expo in January. It's called the Legends Stage. Joining me this year were Rob Keck, Larry Wysoon, Phil Massaro, Ivan Carter, and Craig Boddington. All right. I think we're ready. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Billy Kinder. I host an outdoor radio show. So does my friend Rob Keck right down there. Uh, we're on about oh, 150-some-odd AM FMs across the country every week, a couple of them right here in town. Sirius XM every Saturday and Sunday morning. Tune us in. You'll be smarter, faster, wiser, richer, all of the above, if you'll just tune in. Uh, and thank you for doing so if you already do. We appreciate it. I want to introduce Rob. Are you still uh, you're still doing the, the, the show? Is still airing on rural radio every weekend? Believe it or not, Saturday mornings, 10 every. o'clock Eastern, uh, it's still there, but they're all reruns. I, yep. I told Johnny, I said, look, I've got some bucket list items. I don't have time to do radio full time anymore. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you can still catch some of the shows that maybe you missed. Yep, there you and, go. Uh, I'm on at uh, 9. Eastern and uh, 8 here in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and then Rob right after that. Right there so, on 147. Yep, that's it. So what are you doing these days, Rob? What's, what are you up to? Well, when my wife asked me what am I going to do when uh-huh. I step back from my duties at Bass Pro Shops, I said I'm going to hunt more. Yeah. She looked at me and said, hunt more? <laughs> How can you hunt more? Right. I said, just watch me. Yeah, and you are. Everybody knows our friend Larry Wysoon. Larry, good to see you. What a pleasure to be here. Uh, isn't it, though? Because we weren't here a year ago. No, it is so good to have everybody here. And, you know, I've been around the floor a bunch, and everywhere I go, they're smiling faces. Yeah. Thank you all so much for being here. This is such a great event. Yep. This stage group is such a great group. And, Billy, you do such a fantastic job for everything that we do through DSC and Wildlife Conservation. So thank you for everything yep. you do. Absolutely. You bet. Appreciate you. So what are you doing these days, Larry? Where can we find you online? What's going on? <laughs> you know, about three or four years ago, I moved from Uvalde, where I lived forever, to a little town called Branham, which is south of here. It's just south of Texas A&M, where I went to school. It's about the same distance to my little place that's been in our family since 1840s or something like that. And little town of Branham, Bluebell Ice Cream is right next door, almost to where I live. So uh, curse and blessing. And I moved here to slow down, and I found that doesn't work. Where can we watch you online these days? Well, we do still do a whole lot of things. I, I do a weekly TV show called uh, Sportsman's Life, which is on Carbon TV. They can find it there. You can find it on Roku and all those kind of things. Do a uh, podcast called DSC's Campfires with Larry Weissman that you can find. It's done through Waypoint TV, but you can find it primarily, as far as I'm concerned, at www.biggame.org forward slash DSCS dash campfires forward slash and that's uh our dsc can you do that back what was that again there uh yes i can if you want me to it's gonna take a while <laughs> remember back in the day when you used to say channel seven at eight o'clock you know yeah these but you know these days you have to diversify in so many yeah. different ways and I'll, I'll look up here and rob understands craig understands this gentleman right here phil understands although he does wear a funny looking hat this guy that we're picking on already uh, joined us a couple of years ago we had so much fun that we invited him back again today phil massaro welcome back thank you billy pleasure to be here tell us what all you're doing and where we can read you now uh, I do a lot of work for uh, for the NRA's American Hunter, a lot of work for Gun Digest. Uh, I've got a new column coming up in DSE's Game Trails magazine, which you keep your eyes open for. Good. Uh, 
the Gun Digest Annual, the great big thick book, keeps me rather busy. I'm proud to be the editor-in-chief of that. And we've yes. Got, we've got Craig's, uh, Craig's piece in there, and Larry tells me his is coming, too. He's promised that for a while. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. But, uh, no, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a good lineup of guys, and I'm, I'm really proud to be at the helm of that publication. Craig Boddington, I am so sorry that I missed your seminar last hour. I had a little emergency, and I had to run take care of that. Uh, I'm sure you talk about uh, 270 and how that's plenty of rifle to hunt elk with, right? You get uh, right, absolutely. Yeah, you get that question uh, all the time, right? <laughs> it's sure good to see you, Craig. Good to see you, my friend. How have you been? I'm good. I'm good. Hold that a little closer. Uh, tell me about what's going on with Craig Boddington. You're still writing and you're still going. And well, hard. if I had any marketable skills, I'd probably do something different. But <laughs> since I don't, uh, the writing gig works for me. And you know. Uh, yeah, just just a fact. There's not as many young people reading as used to, but uh, I think at my age I'm deep enough into the print media that it's probably not going to go completely under while I still have time. Yeah, and, yeah. But uh, doing a little bit of television, and, of course, everybody does Internet, everybody does web, yeah. and everybody does a little bit of this and that. It's a multimedia world, but uh, most of my work is magazine work and the occasional book. More from the Legends stage. I call them the Mount Rushmore at DSC when we come back from the coffee pot. This corner of the camp house brought to you by my friends at Purina Pro Plan. Pick up a bag for your dog at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. I'm Craig Boddington. When I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it at Kinder Outdoors. The Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza will be in Dallas this year only. COVID-19 scheduling backups have pushed the original Texas hunting show across the Metroplex to the K. Bailey Hutchison Convention Center in Dallas this year only. Come on out August 12, 13, and 14 for the same great show that you've come to know for the latest gear, clothing, hunts, and accessories. The Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza, August 12 through the 14th in Dallas. Folks, Texas Outdoors, a true Texas legend, has been serving up hunting, fishing, and shooting supplies to fine folks like you and me for 38 years. Every day, Robert Cantrell puts that genuine smile on his face, turns the key in the door, loads up on fresh stories to share, and takes care of whatever you and I have needed. Robert, well done. Texas Outdoors' final sale is its biggest ever. Texas Outdoors, southwest Fort Worth on the Benbrook Traffic Circle. Thank you for your business. Some of the most outstanding memories in Brendan's young life have been the hunting trips that he takes with Dad. Duck, doves, quail. But the good times aren't just reserved for the dove field or the deer blind. They all start in the cab of that classic Chevrolet when you pull out of the drive. Um, the corner store, you get a snack, and we either stop at Bucky's. Because it's Bucky's. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun hiding from the cold with Dad in a duck blind, and the ice doesn't seem that bad out in that old flat-bottom boat for a little while. A decoy, he starts it up, and sometimes the decoys make noises, I think. Or if, it does, if that doesn't work, he just uses his call. And then they just come, but sometimes we come back with nothing. But home away from home is that classic Chevrolet. I love sleeping in the car and then waking up still in the car so I can just feel the comfort knowing that will be fun. At Classic Chevrolet, we sell memory makers. Come get yours. ClassicChevrolet.com 
National outdoor writer Ken Kirkaby knows of what he writes. I think I probably hunted in just about every western state. Uh, yeah, and I fly fished in a lot of those places. He's fished the waters, walked the land, and harvested the game that makes him authentic. That's where the basis of that comes from. I wanted to make this really authentic, and I wanted people to identify with it. Guys like you and I have a real hard time finding good stuff to read, because it's written by guys that just don't know what the heck they're writing about. And guys like you and I, we read two pages and we say, hey, that's phony. This is this is not the way it is. Ever since The Old Man in the Sea, fishing novels have been scarce on the horizon. That was until national outdoor writer Ken Kirkaby wrote his blue water classic, The Tournament. Chuck Winchler of Sporting Classics says you can read The Tournament in about the time it takes to catch a big marlin. And every moment will be just as fun, just as exciting. Jennifer Mayhall of Paradise This Week says, The Tournament reels you into the world of sport fishing and doesn't let you go. The Tournament by Ken Kirkaby. Get it on Amazon. Hey, crappie anglers. Crappie season is here. Wally Marshall, Mr. Crappie, here to tell you about all of the new crappie products for 2022. Check out the all-new Wally Marshall Classic Signature Rods by Lou's. The Wally Marshall Classic Series starts at 5 foot 6 and all the way up to 16 foot in length. IM8 graphite construction, cork handles, stainless steel guides, super light for all-day use, and the perfect trolling and casting rods on the market today. Now for you live scopers out there, the Wally Marshall Pro Target Rods are designed with IM8 graphite blanks, stainless steel guides, and wind grip handles. No slip with a grip when you're trying to boat flip a three-pounder. Pro Target Rods are the best for live scope, trolling, and perfect for wade fishing and heavy cover. All new Mr. Crappie Colors and Crappie Thunders, Slabalicious, Jokers, and Shad Pose. Tennessee Mist, White, Who Dat, and Don't Miss the School Bus. All crappie anglers should keep the Mr. Crappie Slabomatic Electric Filet Knife handy too. StrikeKing.com, Lose.com, and SmithsProducts.com. Tailing redfish on the fly rod, fresh walleye in a skillet. Big Tom turkeys run into your call. A massive 6x6 within 30 yards and a new personal best in the bass boat. That's life at our camp at Kinder Outdoors. My relationship with the folks at Purina ProPlan with ProPlan itself go back to day one of Purina ProPlan. I fed my bird dogs Purina High Pro. Some of you old timers might remember that High Pro. It was the best on the market until... The folks that made High Pro came up with Pro Plan. Purina Pro Plan. 30% protein, 20% fat. That is the formula that I feed. It comes in the purple sport bag for your working dogs and hard running bird dogs. Feed it year round. Even though it's a hot feed, just cut back the amount you feed this time of year. Purina Pro Plan. Pick it up at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. <laughs> hey, did you kill a deer on your place this year up in Kansas? We had. In fact, uh, my, my friends and partners in the deer business are sitting over there. Chuck Herbal, stand up. And, hey, Chuck. Uh, Steve Trainer and one of our deer hunters was there. Uh, yeah. David, did we shoot any deer this year? All that, right. That was amazing. We, despite go, going into the season with record high temperatures yeah i just thought we're going to take a bath and the truth is we did not take a deer for three days 
Wow. And I thought, oh, my God, we are really going to take a bath. And the bucks just started to move, and we finished the season 12 for 12. Yeah. Which wow. I would never have thought would have happened. Wow. That is, uh, that's, that's quite a, a conservation story on your place. You've kind of babied that along through the years. Well, we've worked on it pretty hard. Yeah. It's, a, it's a neighborhood project. Yeah. And uh, it, it, we've worked on it. Yeah, it is. We certainly have more deer and better deer than we did 15 years ago. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Ivan Carter slipped in on us yeah, down there. Right. Welcome, Ivan. Good to see you, buddy. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Sorry I was a bit late. No, no, you're just fine. We're glad you're here. It's a long way to Africa from here. So. Took a little while to get you with a COVID test in between, you know? Yeah, what's going on over there with the COVID? You know, they, they opened up the flights a couple of weeks ago. Things getting better? You know, they really are, and it's something that we hope we're seeing the back of. You know, as Craig said, you know, the guys are really suffering. And what suffers first is the anti-poaching teams. And, you know, with all of the cutbacks, that, that's not, that should be bread and butter money. But for a lot of people, if, you, if you're feeding your family or paying your anti-poaching team, you're going to be feeding your family first, which is completely understandable. But those cutbacks are really being felt by the wildlife. They really are. Yeah. It has been, like Craig was talking about, it's been devastating for a lot of people. They've, they've, they've gone under. A lot of our good friends have gone under, won't be back. They're doing something else for, for a living now. Um, yes, sir, I see you raising that microphone. Yeah, I, I think one of the... Oh, sorry, go ahead, sir. No. Go ahead. Yeah, I think one of the most dangerous things we see, when I say dangerous, the most alarming things is several of the people with big game ranches that many, many years ago took the sheep off, took the cattle off, and have turned it to wildlife, are now you see them having a few cattle, they're planting a few orange trees or macadamia nut trees, or, you know, all of that is landscape that should be under wildlife. And unfortunately, this pandemic has made people scared of the wildlife industry because it relies on the, on the, on the tourist hunter, if you will, to really make that model work. And yeah. so it, it's pretty sad to see this whole circle turning back to traditional agriculture when we were so proud of all these private landowners that have, have got wildlife instead of sheep and cattle, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Rob Keck was uh, the head man over at the uh, National Wild Turkey Federation for 27 years. Is that right, Rob? 27 of the 30 that I was there. Wow. Uh, so what's the best way to put that turkey on the table? you like him fried? What do you do with him? <laughs> well, deep fried is probably my favorite. It's probably the worst for you, but uh, that's the way things really are. Now, I like to cut it in small chunks. That, now you're talking. you got to take eggs and milk yep. in one bowl, stir it up good, usually a cup of milk, three eggs, then Italian breadcrumbs. Huh. Then, if you're running short on meat, you double batter it. There you go. That way it slows them down. They don't eat quite as fast. It'll fill them up quicker. Put more water in the soup. There are more people coming, right? There you go. (laughs) And uh, then you've got to put it in peanut oil, 375 to floats, and there you go. That's perfect. That is perfect. You know, uh, at my house, when we do a fish fry, there's a bunch of people over there. We fry up the catfish first and start serving that out, and when they start rubbing their tummies and yawning, that's when I drop the crappie in the grease. There you go. You know what I mean? Kind of save that for uh, for the end. Hey, Phil, growing up in upstate New York, a lot of people have the opinion of New York, you know, but they're thinking of New York City. Different world where you grew up. Completely different world. Uh, you know, we're about 100 miles north of the city, and 
I'm literally right on the Hudson River. We've got the Catskill Mountains and the the associate, I think it's a 600,000 acre park. Uh, we've got the Adirondack, which is a you know it's a six million acre park. And while New York isn't known for huge deer or even its conservation methods as far as genetics go. The one good thing about New York State is that anybody can buy a hunting license once they've taken the safety course, you know, take their kid, and they've got a place to hunt. And I think that's pretty special. That's very special, yeah. Uh, Your dad got you fired up about guns, if I'm not mistaken. He did, yeah. Dad, uh, he's still a bit of a nut, although every time I bring in something expensive, he tells me to get it off his desk. (laughs) (laughs) That much? What, are you kidding me? What? But, uh, you know, uh, he was influential and, and, uh, you know, just such a key role of me growing up. And as a young man, you know, learning gun safety, there were always guns in the house and there was never an incident never an accident and uh, you know to be honest i thank him every day it's uh, he was a role model as far as how to handle a firearm and you know be around them and be safe so I, yeah. i'm totally appreciative of that ivan you're a good guy to start this with and i'd like an opinion from each of you as we look at the future of what we do i think the average age of the american hunter is 54 years old uh, and worldwide it's probably worse than that i don't know um we've got issues we have issues what bothers you the most? What about the future and what we do, our heritage? You know, I think what bothers me the most is the fact that our current generation, people like ourselves that are at the helm of the industry, are not making enough effort to produce programming media in a, in a palatable way for young people. We are continuing to make the same kind of TV that's not aimed at young people. We continue to have the same kind of a seminar like this is not aimed at young people. And I agree, there's a lot of the the Outdoors Tomorrow Fund is doing amazing things in schoolrooms. And when you look at their statistics, it's incredible. But I would love to see us as spokespeople for the industry doing more to appeal to young people. Because without that generation engaged, we are the last. And I think every generation has felt that at some point. But I think now with the, the human population reaching 8 billion, and the, the chasm widening between the understanding of wildlife and the understanding of, a, of an iPhone, um, I think we've got to try and bridge that gap and, and close that chasm by producing engaging content for younger people, which I, I think we're failing on that. Yeah. Rob? No question about that. And I think playing off of that, we have to become more politically relevant. And as our numbers dwindle, we're not replacing the hunters that we're losing. When you go to the voting booth, we're not counted as well as what we should be. I think that we have to be more active in political realms. Groups like the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation doing a great job helping us there, but there's other groups like Hunter Nation trying to get hunters to vote. You know, here in the state of Texas uh, in the last presidential election, it was amazing to me of of the licensed hunters in this state, and this was pretty much nationwide, Registered voters, hunters, less than 50% of them voted. We're getting killed there. Another area that's really concerning to me is in the area of social media. We have got to put a good face on to the public, the non-hunting public, to the young public. And the way that many hunters project their kill or project their experience is not in the positive light that I think all of us would want to see them. I think when I see a picture of a piece of game taken in Africa, you can tell that there's been a lot of time, a lot of effort putting into getting the best photograph. Craig talked about that just a moment ago on his uh, Buffalo presentation about getting good photographs 
tasteful photographs, cleaning them up, cleaning the blood off of it, instead of looking like a bunch of old, uh, you know, killers out there projecting a good message to that non-hunting public. We're not doing a good enough job there. We're getting killed on on uh, outdoor television in some areas as well. Marksman Firearms and Outfitters. They believe the customer deserves a place to go that offers the largest variety at reasonable prices with staff that's truly knowledgeable and always puts the customer first. Military and first responders get a 10% discount, and we offer 90-day layaway, same as cash. To stay up to date on the latest products, news, events, and more, follow Marksman on Facebook and Marksman of Texas on Instagram. For more info, go to MarksmanFirearms.com. Make your mark at Marksman. There's a place I love to go in the pristine Texas Hill Country that features first-class lodging, outstanding cuisine, world-class wing shooting, the best free-range access deer hunting in the world, my favorite, by the way, plus native whitetails and turkey, and some of the most comfortable hosts that you've ever enjoyed. Don't forget to throw in the fly rod. You'll want to experience the crystal-clear waters of Joshua Creek and the Guadalupe River. Rolling hills and Texas live oaks, friendly smiles, and spring-fed waters. Orvis and Beretta agree that Joshua Creek is one of the finest hunting and shooting ranches in existence. And I think you will, too. You won't find a prettier place to get married. And our staff and facilities will make your corporate event, family reunion, or private party turnkey and the best you'll ever experience. Joshua Creek Ranch in the historic Texas Hill Country between San Antonio and Fredericksburg. Want to go? Of course you do. JoshuaCreek.com You've worked hard your entire life, and now that place is yours. Ensure the security of your livestock and wildlife with Tejas Ranch and Game Fence. You appreciate a job well done, and that's our focus at Tejas. High deer fence, horse and cattle specific fences, fences that keep the hogs out, and the peace of mind intact. Decades of high performance in fencing, land clearing, and happy landowners. T-E-J-A-S, TejasRanchFence.com. Don't head to the country without stopping at Teskey's Outdoors and Weatherford. I'm Randy Jackson reminding you that we are on the way to the ranch just west of Weatherford on the south side of Interstate 20. We have rifles, pistols, shotguns, all from dependable names like Smith & Wesson, Browning, Beretta, Christensen, Bagara, Six Hour, Winchester, and many more. Be sure to ask about our used gun selection, too. Teskey's Outdoors can deck you out for the field and the boat with outdoor wear from Patagonia, Cool, Sims, Howler Brothers, Harriet, Free Fly, Sitka, North Face, and many others. We are a one-stop shop on your way to the Rancher Lease with ammo for ducks, dove, quail, deer, varmints, and even tin cans. Heck, you can buy your hunting and fishing license at Teskey's Outdoors in Weatherford. Bring the trader, deer blinds, feed, and feeders available, too. We have what you need and what you forgot to pack when you left the house. Teskey's Outdoors on the south side of Bay 20, just west of Weatherford. U.S. Highway 287 carries elk hunters and fly fishers, snow skiers and bird dog chasers, 72-ounce steak eaters, buried Cadillac picture takers, antelopers, prairie doggers, and rattlesnakers. The Herdware Store sits on Highway 287 near Goodnight, Texas. Now, only 18 people live around here, so to keep the lights turned on, we need you 287 travelers to stop by. Come in out of the weather and take a look at the most unique store between the Gulf and Pacific coasts. 
one-of-a-kind artwork, jewelry, knives, and more. Feel the luxurious softness and warmth of bison socks, gloves, hats, beanies, blankets, and scarves. You'll think it's cashmere, and it's warmer than wool. Our sister company, Buffalo Wool, produces the finest bison products on the planet. The hardware store is boots and shoes, bison blankets and throws, even bison meats for the road. The Herdware Store, 42 miles southeast of Amarillo. Hey, drop by right now at Herdware.net. Every animal that has ever roamed this planet was designed as hunted or hunter, predator or prey. We are hunters. If it were ever necessary, even the strictest vegan would return to the wild driven to survive by the instincts of his ancestors. Those who hide behind the soft delusion of their own ignorance do so from within a civilization whose very being costs the lives of countless creatures every single day. Death is an undeniable fuel of life. This is the undeniable truth of existence. To live in balance with the planet that sustains us, we must admit and embrace the nature within us. Trust the hunter in your blood. when we heard your trunk rattle across that old cattle guard. Welcome to our camp at Kender Outdoors. Hey, congratulations to Bo Brooks. He has claimed the trophy. He wins the 2022 World Elk Calling Championship, sponsored by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Bo is from La Center in Washington State and wins the professional division of the 2022 Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation World Elk Calling Championships. Hey, we're going to try to uh, get him on that Kinder Outdoors trot line, maybe do a little uh, calling on the Air Force. That'd be a lot, a lot of fun. Let's get back up on stage now with Rob Keck, Larry Wysoon, Phil Massaro, Ivan Carter, and Craig Boddington. So how about the editor of Guns and Ammo, Phil Massaro? He never misses, does he? Phil, what's the worst miss you've ever had in your life, the one that still wakes you up at night? You. <sighs> He's clean. never missed. He's never missed. Oh no no no! no. A clean miss or a? I, I I lost uh I lost my first buffalo this year in Zimbabwe. Um, oh. The bullet hit a branch and it was uh I, I immediately emailed Craig when I got home for some consolation. Uh, beautiful buffalo too, forty three inches and just you know about as bald as I am. Smooth bosses on the tops and yeah. Hit, I don't know, the bullet hit a branch or whatever the case may be, but, you know, Lynn Stanton, who's down there in Balabala Safaris, his guys, we were on that buffalo for 20-something miles after we'd hit him. Um, wow. So we did the no due kidding. diligence, but that was uh, that was a life lesson for me, That yeah. was that was, and it's still bothering me. Yeah. Do uh, you know what? Oh, you said it. It, it must have hit a branch because he hit, yeah. him, he hit him a little forward. We caught a, a piece of, you know, the fat from the brisket and what yeah. have you, and I, yeah. and I know it was a dead hold. We had the shot on film, and I, you know, there was no jerking of the trigger or any of that nonsense. So, yeah. things like that happen, as Colonel Boddington had told me. You know, you do it long enough, you're going to have that happen. But, you know, we did the due diligence. The buffalo's going to live. He stopped bleeding, but yeah. it doesn't. It, the ego is not well. <laughs> yeah. No, you're going to die with that memory. Yeah. Gonna, no doubt. No it's doubt. It's going to haunt you to the end. Now, Ivan, if you miss, it could eat you. 
You know, I think from a pH perspective, you only really shoot for two reasons most of the time. One, if something's about to eat you or hurt you, and one, if it's about to escape. So, you know, we're always shooting a, something that's moving. You've always got this tiny little window, and everybody looks at you very differently if you don't hit what you're aiming at. And it happens. It really what do does they happen. say at that point when you miss? Uh, Family group here, huh? Uh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, but really, on, a, on an African safari, I think there's a lot of pressure on guiding to make sure that you're giving the person the very best opportunity. They've come halfway around the world. It's their key animal. By virtue of that, there's way more jitters than there normally is with anything else. And, and you've got that one opportunity, and particularly if it's an, an elephant hunt or a leopard hunt or something like that, which, you know, you're waiting for this one little window a bad shot can be devastating for the rest of the safari. So, you know, one's got to try and manage the first shot way better than trying to manage your own second shot, you know. Yeah. Hey, Rob, Very, it's impossible to miss a turkey, isn't it? You know, one of the most common problems I see is people taking a shotgun that they normally take and point and swing through the target. They're now aiming it like a rifle. And you've got to understand point of aim and point of impact. So if you're going to use a gun with open sights, make sure that you understand that you're shooting this gun like a rifle instead of that, that shotgun. There's things you can add. You can add a red dot. You can add a scope. There's all kinds of optics that you can add to that turkey gun. But if you just pick up a gun that you've, let's say you've killed your limit of waterfowl or you've killed your limit of ringnecks, and you say, I shouldn't have any problem at all killing a turkey with oh, that. Oh, yeah. But... You don't understand that just having a bead out in front or a double bead will not allow you to necessarily bury your cheek into the comb of that stock to make the shot. I'll never forget, it's Lance Bade. He was bronze medalist, double trap, 96 Olympics. I took him. We were in Kansas turkey hunting. He missed three gobblers less than 25 yards. And here's wow. a guy, a bronze medalist, an Olympic trap, double trap, and he missed three turkeys, and he didn't understand point of aim, point of impact. He was probably a little nervous because y'all were fence jumping on Boddington's place. Well, we were. Yeah. You know, it's always good to cross the line over on Craig's place because <laughs> we know they're fed well. They're always big. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to pin you down, Ron. You ever missed a turkey? Absolutely. Yeah. It happens. Absolutely. In my early days, not understanding point of aim, point of impact yep. as well. Yep. And... uh I'll tell you where it really comes into play. You know, there's more and more people that are taking with archery tackle. Yeah. And uh, you've got to understand that just hitting the vitals of a turkey with an arrow will not necessarily allow you to retrieve it. He may die. I've done that. But he's going to fly off. He's going to run off. And they don't leave a blood trail like that whitetail. You've got to shoot to immobilize the bird. And you've got to look at something like this. Take your fist, come right down your forearm. And if you can't put it in there where you're going to take and break that spine, cut that, or cut the head off with one of the, uh, you know, the blades out there that, that like a gobbler guillotine, yeah, you're not going to pick up that turkey. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't hit that, go buy a shotgun. Yeah. There you go. Very good. And by the way, with TSS, which has come on the scene, uh, I know three years ago I made that move to a 410. I've been shooting a 20 for over two decades. But I tell you, a 410 loaded with number nines or nine and a half, it is devastating at 50 yards. And I do not promote long-range shooting, 
But usually I'm playing follow-up, clean-up to somebody that I'm guiding. Yeah. And if there's a cripple, it's been amazing at the distances I've finished off that cripple, that 410. Yeah. Larry, what's the mist that haunts you to this day? Zimbabwe, Save River, 59 and three-quarter inch kudu, 58 inches wide, 60 yards, missed him by 30 yards. Wow. I've never been that excited. That, I mean, you know, there's some species that really get to you. And there, yeah. and in this instance, this kudu was crossing the Save River. And the PH Johnny Hume was hollering to shoot. And the cameraman was hollering, don't shoot. And, and uh, this, uh, I mean, this truly, I ended up killing these, these 59 a little bit long. And he's 58 inches wide. So yeah. you can imagine what this kudu looked like quartering across the, the Save River. Oh, my word. The first shot, I missed him by a good solid 30 yards. Oh, my word. He was only 60 yards away, and I hit the water about halfway between me and him. Wow. Buck fever is a real deal. It's a real thing. It is. But, but when is. you add that element of a cameraman, all of us oh, yeah. that have hunted in front yep. of cameras, and the cameraman doesn't give you the go, and you've got the shot, and then all of a sudden you don't got the, you don't have the shot, and the cameraman says I'm good. You're really in a predicament, and yep. that's when I've missed more turkeys than ever on film. Yeah, there you go. Craig Boddington has never missed a critter in his life, except for about a month ago. Oh, okay. Let's hear about let's hear about this now. Well, I was just writing about that the other day, and you know we're hunting from stands, and we don't have long. We don't have big country in my part of Kansas. It's timber. And, so, you know, 60, 70, 80 yards is normal, sometimes 100. But we don't have four or 500 yards shooting. And uh, so we'll go an entire season and have zero misses. Not, not uncommon. But I, I did it. I was sitting on a stand, and I had a buck coming to me, and he was about 50 yards away and quartering two. And I had those crosshairs dead steady on his shoulder and I pulled the trigger and I realized that this reaction was not right. He spooked a little bit and then he just kind of walked away and I said, well, he's going to fall over, going to fall over. And I lost him in the trees and I kind of had the distinct impression that instead of falling over, he walked away. But, uh, and that's in fact what happened. We, that's what we spent did. a couple hours looking. There's got to be blood. There's got to be blood. There's got to be blood. Next trip was to the range, and uh, that scope had a, had a, a, a turrets without a zero stop, and and the elevation turret had been spun nearly a full revolution, and I was 18 I was I was 18 inches off paper at 50 yards, just a bit outside. <laughs> Just a hair outside. Yeah. I love my time that I get to spend with these guys annually at the Dallas Safari Club Convention and Expo up on that Legends stage. Hey, why don't you plan to join us at DSC's 2023 Convention and Sporting Expo in Dallas? The first and original Texas hunting show is back. It all gets kicked off in Houston, August 5, 6, and 7. This is the 46th year for the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza. The biggest and best in rifles, blinds, outfitters, and guides. Game calls, camo, and ammo, you name it, you'll find it at the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza. Here we come, Houston, August 5, 6, and 7. 
Live gators, rattlesnakes, and happy hunters. It must be Texas trophy hunter time. Folks, Texas Outdoors, a true Texas legend, has been serving up hunting, fishing, and shooting supplies to fine folks like you and me for 38 years. Every day, Robert Cantrell puts that genuine smile on his face, turns the key in the door, loads up on fresh stories to share, and takes care of whatever you and I have needed. Robert, well done. Texas Outdoors' final sale is its biggest ever. Texas Outdoors, southwest Fort Worth on the Benbrook Traffic Circle. Thank you for your business. When Cinnamon Creek Ranch Wild Game Processing converts your venison or pork into breakfast sausage or ground meat, it's a hands-down hit. But step outside the box this year. Cinnamon Creek Wild Game Processing has sausages for every taste. I don't know, probably 30 or more. We have German, hickory, hot links, uh, jalapeno, cheese links, regular jalapeno, and cracked black pepper, Cajun sausage, all kinds of sausage. Our chipotle and cheese is actually our number one seller. We just came out with a hatch chili and cheese summer sausage to complement our links. And we also have a uh, Frito chili cheese pie sausage this year, which is kind of off the charts, but the kids love it. So it's kind of one of those new twists. <laughs> Located just north of Fort Worth, Texas, Cinnamon Creek Wild Game Processing. Experts with all wild game. Visit CinnamonCreekRanch.com. The Quail Coalition has drawn the line. Quail decline stops here. South and West Texas and Western Oklahoma are the last strong natural regions for wild bobwhite quail. We've all watched the drastic decline across the southern states of the iconic bobwhite. The Quail Coalition has vowed to do all within human power to not only stop quail decline, but build a future where the quail will flourish across all of its original habitat. If true quail conservation is important to you, please visit quailcoalition.org. Consider a membership, attend one of our fundraising banquets, and please consider starting a chapter in your home state. Together, let's sustain and restore huntable wild quail populations. Let's encourage and educate interested youth. Let's keep the most brilliant quail minds on earth working on a bright future for our quails. The first step, visit our website, quailcoalition.org. Introducing Canyon Valley Provisions. Grass-fed beef is high in omega-3s and conjugated linoleic acid, which is known as CLAs. In layman terms, it's a type of fat that your body can use, and it doesn't damage your heart or any part of your vascular system. Buy better beef for your family. We manage holistically, or some people call it regeneratively. We want everything that we do to be a part of our good stewardship of the land. We think that's what God's put us here to do, so... The cattle are healthy and the land's healthy. We want both. We don't want one or the other. If you were to buy a grass-fed, grass-finished steak by the pound, you'd pay anywhere from 18 to $30 a pound. But if you buy a quarter, half, or whole, you're ranging from anywhere $7.80 and below. So you're paying a third of the price for that steak and, you know, those good cuts. And you get a whole lot more bang for your buck when you buy in bulk. Don't let 2020 happen in your home again. CanyonValleyProvisions.com Raising cattle in West Texas for five generations. Our warm campfire is always the gathering spot, no matter the weather. 
tall tales and life's tough spots get worked out here. This is Kinder Outdoors. Hey, welcome back to our air-conditioned camp house at Kinder Outdoors. I know you guys in Houston are having a lot of fun or will be. Uh, today at the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza, the kickoff show. It got started last night, yesterday evening anyway, in uh, Houston at the NRG Center. And then, uh, of course, all day today and again tomorrow. They'll wrap it up tomorrow night. Pack it up and move it north to Dallas next weekend. And then San Antonio two weeks, uh, two weekends from today. Uh, it's always the show here in Texas. And for a lot of folks beyond Texas borders, uh, the show that kind of kicks off the fall hunting seasons. It's the unofficial tailgate party uh, to the fall. So get out there and co-mingle with your like-thinking brothers and sisters at the NRG Center in Houston this weekend. We're on stage at the Dallas Safari Club Convention and Sporting Expo 2022 with Rob Keck, Larry Wysoon, Phil Massaro, Ivan Carter, and Craig Boddington, all outdoor icons. Larry, your parents hunted. It was a big family event, right? Absolutely. All the ladies in our area hunted. My aunts, you know, all their, all my mother's friends. It was a big deal. Came on at a time when we didn't have a whole lot of deer, but that didn't stop us from hunting. And if you saw a track, you were a hero. If you happened to take a deer during the hunting season, oh, my God, it was talked about just nearly every day until the, the beginning of the next hunting season. So, you know, I, I started out. Some People ask me, do you remember your first hunt? I don't. I, my dad used to carry me around in diapers on the back when he was chasing coonhounds, you know, kind of thing. And so I, I have no recollection of the first hunts. There was a lot of hunts that, you know, shortly thereafter that I have. But, uh, you know, I was fortunate grew up out in the country. And uh, they turned me loose barefooted with a twenty two when I was about five years old because I'd, I'd run out of BBs and couldn't find BBs. But by God, I could find a single shot twenty two and shells, and they'd hand them to me and send me off kind of thing. That's kept me out of trouble. Absolutely. Well, somewhat. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there were those episodes. <laughs> this man is agreeing completely. You grew up like that, too, I guess, huh? Same story. It's a familiar story. Growing up in Kansas, Craig, uh, did you ever discover a good way to cook a pheasant? Does does a good way to cook a pheasant even exist? I didn't know there was a bad way to cook a pheasant. Okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, what kind of pheasant are you talking about? Well, they're not oh, real. You know what? I dry them out. If, listen, bad. if if you mistake. A pheasant and shoot a, a vulture instead. Yeah, Th- they're be. hard to cook. That could be it. That could be it. Did you eat a lot of pheasants growing oh, up? Oh, heavens, yes. Yeah, y'all had lots of pheasants. Yeah, they're, you know, we like quail better. Yeah. And in those days, we had oceans of bobwhites. Yeah. But oh, but yeah. pheasant was good, just a little drier. You yeah. just, you, you got to just cook it, cook it in a sauce. Yeah. When you couldn't hit the small target, you wound up eating the pheasant. That's that's what took place. Uh, what took place there? Hey, what's going on with you now, Ivan? What are you doing these days? So we've been doing a lot of conserva- conservation work and um, spending a lot of time actually adjusting our sales a little bit with COVID and everything else like that. You know, donor funding's been a little more difficult, as everybody can understand, as well as the need is greater because so many people have this deficit for anti-poaching. And so um, we've been measuring a lot. We translocated cheetahs with the Cabela family this year into a landscape which hasn't had cheetah for over 100 years. Those are giving That's us cool. a, bit of, a bit of gray hair, not doing what they're supposed to do, but um, the scientists are taking care of that. The lion population that's in that same landscape 
has got to just over 80 now from the, the 24 that we put in there. So that's been very successful and doing a lot of wildlife moves, actually. You know, um, what we've found is that a lot of these national parks that have been stabilized by large NGOs, large non-government organizations, um, have a deficit of wildlife. And as the human element has grown and the conflict has grown, rather than allowing government to just go in and wipe out, you know, whole landscapes, taking those animals and using them to populate populate wildlife reserves has been very successful. But the biggest thing is doing that with hunters' dollars, with hunters and openly for hunters, I think is a giant message. I think we've got to be a lot better at delivering facts and results than we actually are at the moment. It's one thing to say, oh, no, we su support anti-poaching. Well, tell me the facts. What has actually happened? So in the Zambezi Delta landscape where we operate, um, there, there's been about a 95% reduction in poaching and a 3,500% increase in wildlife over the last couple of decades, which those are the facts. It's not that we're equipping an anti-poaching team. We've, we've led to more wildlife and a healthier ecosystem. And so people will often say, how do you know where to send your money? And I always say, just ask the simple question. Is my money going to allow more wildlife to exist in a healthier ecosystem? If they look at you blankly, go and find someone else to send your money to. If they say yes, your next question should be, well, how do you know? Can you show me your statistics? Again, if they can't, go and find somebody else, because that should be all that matters in conservation, more wildlife and a healthier ecosystem. If we were to stop hunting in the long run, it would be devastating uh, over there. But we, we put it on pause for the past couple of years. What's that done to the critters? Are they better quality now than they were two years ago? What's, what's going on? Have you noticed? So that's, a, that's an interesting question. And, and again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back out a little bit. So if we stop hunting, we've got a really good example of what really happens. It's an uncomfortable truth, so nobody wants to talk about it. But there's about 15 million acres of Tanzania that last year was resettled. And it was resettled because of the closure of lion imports into the states because of Cecil the Lion, which led to outfitters handing back their concessions because they couldn't make money anymore. The, the concessions sat idle for many years. And then the, the pressure from the communities, hey, if you're not going to let us be employed or, or let us work there, let us at least live there. And so the government, of course, relented. The government lives and dies by votes. And so 15 million acres of people, uh, 15 million acres of, of wild landscape had people move onto it, and they killed everything. And so there's an exact example of what happens when the hunters go away. From the perspective of the trophy populations, in a lot of landscapes, Stopping hunting for a couple of years makes no difference at all because I like to look at a wildlife population like an annuity. Like you, you've, you've got this fund. It's like an endowment fund. So if you never touch your principal and you only use your interest, your endowment's going to last forever. Wildlife is the same way. If you never touch your core population and you only touch the old bulls that are yielded by that core population, it's going to be there forever. And so I have to say the well-managed areas without any hunting for two years, the trophy quality was the same. If you see a jump in your trophy quality, it means your quota was too high before the closure. Ah, very good. Let me ask you this. Do you think we all talk funny? No, I'm the only one that talks normally. Oh, okay. You're the normal guy around here. You're the normal guy. Phil, if, uh, if it was Christmas Day tomorrow, what gun would you tell Santa Claus that you want to see under the tree? Oh, that's a tough one. That's a really, there's a lot of them here. Because uh, you get to shoot everything. I, I am spoiled rotten, I'm yeah. not going to lie to you. I yeah. get to play with all the cool toys. Right. Ah, what would I want? What would I want? 
That's a really that's a difficult. Don't, question. don't get too hung up on it because we're not going to buy. No, it I know you're you. not. But yeah, if we're dreaming. Just... I want to dream right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. I, I would probably end up with a with a three seven five flange double rifle from Heim model wow. eighty nine to wow. go with my four seventy. What's that going to cost me down at Walmart? Uh, you're looking probably twenty four grand the way okay. I'd expect Santa Claus. Well, to that's bring within it. the budget. Yeah, I mean it's, that's Mama gives the nod of approval back there, and if the War Department approves, let's send yeah, it. Yeah, there you go. I like it. <laughs> Greg, how about you? Is there that you've You've handled every gun in the world. I don't have enough lever actions. Ah. So you could you could look for a classic old Marlin or Winchester to put under my tree. Maybe a Savage 99. Wow. I've heard you talk like that before. You love those simple, old, dependable guns, don't you? I, I do. That's piece of America. Yeah. And I, I really do love those those old guns. And I'm not a collector. I don't have a collection. Sure. But I do accumulate them. Yes, you do. Rob, what's uh, what's your favorite turkey gun? I guess the the old 410 now. Well, it is, and uh, I tell you, my favorite one right now is a TriStar Viper. Huh. It's got a pistol grip on it, camouflaged, and a Carlson choke tube in it. Yeah. And I can tell you one thing: it is just everybody that puts it in their hand says, "I want one," and I've got a couple more on order. I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the time we've had together and invite you back next time around. Till then, may God bless you and your bunch.